This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and as you know, I am a small animal veterinarian, and as you probably also know, I am owned by a cat named Scamper. And that brings me to my topic today, because when Scamper arrived at my animal hospital, he was a feral kitten that had been deposited at the home of one of my clients, and I agreed to foster Scamper, and that was two years ago, so Scamper is still with me, but also residing in my home is Skye, the standard poodle that I rescued, and they adore each other, and they get along so well. So today, I have with me Victoria Stillwell. And she is a dog behavior and dog training expert. And you might know her from the television show, It's Me or the Dog. And I am so excited to be able to talk with Victoria today about integrating cats and dogs, maybe inviting a dog into a home or maybe a situation where a dog needs to be brought into a cat home or, or accepting of a cat that is brought into the dog's home. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you for having me. So cats and dogs have to exist in harmony. And so I want to talk with Victoria a little bit about her methods and her philosophy to avoid fighting like cats and dogs. So let's take just a brief moment to hear a word from our sponsors. And then we will come back with our amazing guest, Victoria Stillwell of Positively.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Tad on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining me with Victoria Stilwell. We are so excited to have her today. And I was talking with Victoria a little bit about our passion to help animals and how we try to do everything we can to inspire people. So, Victoria, I'm just so excited to have you here today. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's great to be on. So some of my cat listeners might be considering adding a dog into their cat household, or maybe they're getting married and getting a stepdogger. And I want to teach these cat people maybe some things and some tips that they might need to know about dogs versus cats. And I'm hoping to tap into your expertise and see where you think someone might begin with if they have a dog that needs to become acclimated to a cat. I think, yes, in any situation, whether it's your cat, you know, you have a cat and you you want to add to your family and get a dog as well, or you are, you're integrating your family. We have to first of all understand that from the cat's point of view, you will be choosing the cat's friend for it. Now, your cat might not want a friend. Your cat or your multi-cats, if you've got more than one, might be very happy by themselves in their homes. and then. In comes this interloper. Or if you're integrating your household, then in come new people or you move and transition to a new person. So I think the most important thing to be aware of right from the start is any kind of stress that it could have on your cat, the existing cat, and to do as much as you can to prepare for that stress. Now, if you're transitioning into a new house, then transition into that house maybe before, if it's a new house, maybe before the dog comes so that the cat can settle into the house before the other dog, your partner's dog or whoever it is, is introduced. And that sometimes might mean that the dog goes and stays somewhere else and it allows the cat to have a little bit more time because I think it is easier for dogs to transition than it is for cats. So I would say that's the number one thing. Try and prepare first. Don't just put the cat in a situation of, okay, we're moving house. Here we are moving house. and Here's a dog for you. I think planning is huge too. I completely agree with that. So what if the dog is the resident and the interloper is going to be the cat? So then we start to, again, understand that from the dog's perspective, this is a strange creature. Now, I would caution people who have dogs and then who decide that they want to get a cat, but the dog has chased small fluffy things. Is that a good idea to bring a cat into the environment? Very probably not. But if it's something that, you know, again, an integrated family and it has to happen, then I use a system of baby gates. And I have for the cat, I have a lot of high places so that the cat will have its own safe space. The dog will have its own safe space and the cat will have a lot of high places it can go to and will have alternatives in every room or every room that the cat can go to. So escape routes. And and in that way, you're giving confidence to both. I also, with the introduction, I will take time and they will be done via, to begin with, I have a closed door, whether the cat's behind the door or the dog's behind the door, and they will live like, like that for a while. Normally, it might be the cat that's being kept in one part of the house. The dog's going to be kept in another part of the house. So they can smell each other, hear each other, but not see each other. 
then, you know, sometimes people like do that for a couple of hours and then open the door. I like to just do it for a day or two and then I'll open the door, but there'll be a baby gate so that the two can sniff each other through the baby gate. And then if I think things are going okay, then I will allow the cat to wander and I'll have the dog just on a very nice loose leash. And then I will see how both react. That's the way I started. So you mentioned that in a dog that perhaps has a history of chasing small furry things and such, that that could be an issue. Do you think that there are certain breeds or certain individuals that would have that propensity and perhaps need a special protocol to train that to not happen? Or can it be trained to not happen? Well, you actually ask a really good question there because you're going against drive. You're going against that instinct to prey drive. You know, there's a lot of, I'm saying, there's a lot of dogs out there that do have high prey drive and live very successfully with cats, but they, their drive might be for chasing bicycles or chasing squirrels, yet with a the cat, they're fine. So I'm not saying that every dog that has high prey drive can't live with cats, but I definitely think that if you've got a former racer like a greyhound, one of my favorite breeds, and you have a cat, then potentially you have to be very, very careful because after a dog has been not just genetically predisposed to chasing like that, but also now trained to do it and you adopt a greyhound and you have a cat in the house, some of them can be okay. Others, you know, it's very difficult to untrain that. Now, can you manage your environment? Can you set your environment up so there are baby gates and there are this for the rest of the dog's life? Do you keep both dog and cat safe? Yes, but I would question your decision-making on whether it's okay to adopt a racing greyhound when you have a cat in the house. And so in dogs of any breed really can be high prey drive and some have no prey drive at all. So, or have no drive in that respect at all. So again, the sight hounds especially, you have to be a little wary of. The terriers, you have to be a little wary of. I think any dog you just put into place because safety is paramount for both of these animals. So we've talked a little bit about mixing families, and I think that is is a very current issue. But what if a pet owner wants to start out with a dog and a cat? Maybe they want a puppy and a kitten. Do you have any advice or tips that might help make that more of a seamless growth together? I think that could be it, many times. You know, I've, I've gone to quite a few houses where both have been introduced at the same time. It's actually been quite successful. But what I've found is that puppy is extremely rambunctious and can flatten kitten very quickly. So when they're tiny, tiny, they might almost be equal, but very quickly puppy outgrows kitten, depending on the breed that you have. And so then you have to really monitor interaction and separation will occur and there'll be crates and there will be baby gates and there will... So I think one of the best, the most successful situations are when you've got an older dog in the house and you introduce a kitten. That is my situation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's where you see if you've got an older karma dog in the house, maybe you're four or five years old and you have a kitten come in, then they're probably just interested in it. Again, always supervision when they're together, but then the dog will be able to tolerate it because... You don't have the kitten getting scared off by a puppy that just wants to play and then flattens it in the process. You have an older dog that has a bit more impulse control. And that seems to, depending on both animals' temperament, that seems to work a lot better. Do you think it makes a difference if there is more than one dog in the home? Yes, it does. And again, not saying it can't work, 
it can work pretty successfully. But, you know, sometimes the group instinct takes over. And sometimes you've got two dogs that are very bonded. They won't bond with the cat. They don't need to bond with the cat because they're bonded with each other. And then that's why I'd say if you have, even if you have one dog or a multi-dog household, if you can provide as many high places as you can for your cat, then I think the cat's going to live all right. And I have there's situations when it just doesn't work and the cats are kept in one room and the dogs have the run of the rest of the house. I just, I just don't think that's fair. And so, again, if you have a multi-dog household, really think before you get a cat, if it's the right decision. Also realize that sometimes with dogs that might have a little bit more prey instinct, picking the cat up all the time can actually elicit a reaction from a dog. And what it is, is when you pick up a cat in presence of this dog that might have quite a high prey instinct, you make that cat vulnerable. So you'll see that the dog might avoid the cat when the cat's on the floor. But as soon as you pick the cat up, the dog then suddenly lunges forward and starts barking and jumping to try to get to the cat. Why? Because, you know, dogs are smart. They know that cats have claws and teeth. Cats can be pretty imposing, but they know that also when you pick them up, the cat is vulnerable. So that can be a time which stimulates a lot of that reactivity in dogs. I don't know whether you've experienced that before, but I know many houses that have. Absolutely. I have seen that. So I think what you are saying in the tips really that everyone should take home is safety first and planning really helps safety become more of a reality. Yeah, you put your head first before your heart. I work in rescue and I do all kinds of rescue. I did a big, big rescue yesterday of a pit bull fighting place that was that was busted. And, you know, do I want to bring every single one of those dogs home because they've had such a terrible life? Do I want to bring them home and make sure that they have? Yes, I do. But you have to think with your head first before you think with your heart. And the one of the best ways that when I go into homes and even before we do any training or behavior mod, I say to people, I ask people, how can we manage this environment to set your dogs up for success and to set your cats up for success? Let's go room by room and let's see what we can provide here for both your animals so they can both feel comfortable. And that's what sometimes at best you can aim for. Maybe the dog and cat are not going to be great friends, but they will tolerate each other and feel safe with each other. I think the real tragedy of it is, is when either the cat's terrified or the dog's terrified and they're forced to live in this environment together. That's not fair. I agree. And I love that you are advocating viewing things through the eyes of the pet because that's my that's my big thing and my passion is to encourage people to put themselves in the animal's shoes and see the way the animal might see things. There are a couple of interesting hazards, I think, that I see in my practice in multi-pet households that combine dogs and cats. And I wanted to ask a little bit of maybe some tips from you. What about training your dog not to eat cat poop in the litter box. Do you have any suggestions about that? <laughs> I think the best suggestion is management. Unless, you know, I teach a leave it. I teach um, an avoidance cue. So I, I actually start with a ball of nothing, just a ball, the cat ball. And when the dog goes up to the cat ball, sniffs it, but then walks away, I will then praise the walk away and I'll click and treat for the walk away. And then we'll do that so that the dog goes up to the bowl and then walks away from it. Fine. 
Now I'll put a bit of food into it. Dog walks up to the bowl. If he eats the food, he doesn't get anything from me and I have the better food. If he goes up to the bowl and then looks at me, click and treat. Then he gets my food. Then if he walks up to the bowl and he looks at me and then walks away, he's going to get even better stuff. So basically what I'm training the dog to do is to go up to the cat food and walk away from it by himself. Eventually, I don't want him to go up to the cat food at all. So what I'm doing is that I am shaping a behavior that I want, which means that I'm shaping a behavior that the dog end game doesn't go up to the cat bowl. He knows I don't want him to go up to the cat bowl. All very well when you're there and there's cat food on the ground. That's fine. When you're not, dogs are dogs. Like kids are kids. They're going to take that food when you're not there. So the best thing to do is to have the cat bowl elevated so the dog can't get it. So a raised space and cat poop. If you have the litter box in a place where the dog can't get to it, you know, in a cupboard that you cut out a little bit for your cat so your cat can go through, but your dog can't. And that might be a baby gate because cat poop is especially delicious for dogs. And again, might be fine when you're there and you can train it when you're there. But when your back is turned, dogs are deceptive. That's what makes them amazing. And that's what gives them the survival smarts that they need to survive. They have to be deceptive in order to do that. That's why I love dogs that counter-surf. People say, oh, that's a nuisance behavior. It, it is in the home, but I see it. This dog is cunning. This dog is deceptive. If this dog, God forbid, was abandoned anywhere, this dog would be more likely to survive than the one who doesn't problem solve like that. So that's why management and training go hand in hand. My clients ask me all the time, why does my dog want to eat cat poop? And, and I, I laugh and say, you know, the cat has a different digestion than the dog. And so to the dog, that cat poop is, the dog just wonders, why did the cat throw that away? That's still good. It's still got good stuff in it. Oh, yeah, it's delicious. That high protein. Yeah, and that's like, that's a second meal or a free meal. Gross. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about safety and planning again. And I was wondering if you had any suggestions for ways to keep everyone safe if there is an altercation between a dog and a cat or a chasing event between a dog and a cat. Can you make some suggestions along that line? What I do is sometimes for dogs that chase squirrels or chase cats, what I'll do is I'll start with a flirt pole. And a flirt pole is like a pole with a long line coming off the top of it that has a small fluffy toy at the end of it. And what I'll do is that I'll teach the dog impulse control around the flirt pole. So basically it can't chase. It can chase when I say it can chase, but when it can't chase, it can't chase. So when you've got a dog that has maybe a higher prey drive, actually being able giving the dog outlets sometimes to indulge that prey drive on something positive will allow that dog to get out or you know what it really wants to do but when you say no it will know the limitations it will know the boundaries that you set out for it so i'll teach the dog a good weight i'll teach the dog a good leave it cue and so if i see that the dog is now interested the cat moves and the dog starts to move i will say leave it and then when the dog looks at me, I'll say, good. So I will give that feedback for the dog listening to me. If the dog is in the act of chasing, I'm too late. And I hope that the cat gets away. I can train a stop cue on a dog. So even when the dog is full flight, I can say stop, which hopefully the dog stops and turns around and comes to me. But that can be difficult, especially if the dog is in crazy brain mode, which when they are chasing, most of them are. So I will train those cues for that. Other things I'll do is that 
God forbid there's a fight, I'll either just get a blanket and put the blanket over both of them because as soon as you cut off fission, that can stop it. Put a piece of furniture, even get a picture off the wall and put it between them or a file or something. I don't see it much, but that fight between dog and cat is devastating. Dogs come off badly most of the time because of the claws. And that's what I do. And also, if you're outside and you have a water hose, you know, I'm not a big fan of spraying dogs and faces or cats and faces or anything with spray bottles. I don't like that. But in emergency situations, if you've got a hose out there and they're getting into it, that's what you've got to do. Be very wary of going in and trying to separate. Because not only when you're separating two a cat and a dog, you're going to get clawed and bitten yourself. But also, if one is attached to another and you pull, you're actually making a wound worse. Yes, I agree. I tell my clients, do not intervene. Try to find another way to distract this situation. Well, so yep. you mentioned a little bit about certain types of dogs, the sight hounds and the terriers. And so I kind of wanted to highlight a little bit about these types of dogs and their personality and why we might need to be a little more watchful if we know that our dog is one of these types of dogs. Are there any other types of dogs that you think this might be slightly more of a challenge for? Maybe some of the herding breeds, maybe some of the border collies and the high energy dogs, dogs that are just, you know, some of the bully breeds as well that are just, they kind of have that wonderful rude behavior that they, uh, you know, they freak very enthusiastically. Some of them can have high prey drive. Just be, be wary of that. And remember like sight towns, for example, their eye placement is more towards the bridge of the nose than it, in, than in other breeds. So their eyes are more on the front of their heads. Why? Because their perception, their visual, they can see basically small movements from greater distances than other dogs can. So they're actually physically set up, not just to see and be stimulated by quick movement from far away as well, but they're also set up as sprinters. So they're very fast. They're made, you know, they have that perfect anatomy to be able to be effective chasers. Terriers as well, because they're so used and have been bred for so many years to catch vermin and go to ground. Again, it can be hardwired into them to want to go and chase. And chasing is fun. That's why, you know, it's important with your dog that you give your dog a whole load of outlet for their energy. Dog sport, good walks, great mental stimulation inside the house. And you do the same thing with your cat. As much physical exercise as your cat can have, a lot mental stimulation as your cat can have. And then you've got two that can live more in harmony. It's when you don't provide those outlets that problems can happen on both sides. Well, I think that you touched upon a topic that is very close and near and dear to my heart. Along the lines of the planning, if you have a cat or a dog, and you are being forced into a mixed family situation, I want everyone to know that there are tips and things that you can do. But if you already have one or the other, and you are faced with the idea of adopting another, please plan, please pay attention, put yourself into the paw prints of the pet that you already have, and, and just make sure that you know what you're getting into, and commit, do your homework before you adopt a new pet by choice. Oh, I so agree with you. But you know, a lot of us, and the same, we can lead with our heart first. It's just that 
when you're getting down to the daily, daily life of living with your pet, and if you have the stresses, not just on your pets and on yourself, it can be exhausting. And so that's why you know, take walk away from the shelter a bit or the place where you want to get your cat. Just walk away, take a day to think about it, and then see if it's going to be the right thing. Yes, I think planning makes perfect. So I always ask my guests if there is anything that they particularly want to mention or something that is dear to their heart. And for you, I want to ask you, tell me about your cruise. Well, actually, the cruise, we're not doing the cruise. And one of the reasons why we're not, we can't do the cruise anymore is because of the whole dog thing. We want to have dogs on the cruise and that unfortunately wasn't allowed. But what we're doing is that we're going to be doing more seminars next year so that we can have the people that wanted to come on the cruise, we can have them bring their dogs to the seminars so I can work with their dogs there. That's um, great. Yeah. So we're going to just for those people who, and to be quite honest, I thought it was a bit of a strange idea anyway, great idea and fun to walk on vacation and everything. But I wasn't worried about what it would have just been for dogs. It might be great for us. And I, I always am. When you're working with dogs in seminars, you're taking them from their own environment and then you're putting them in front of a whole load of people. You've got to do it sensitively. Again, like you said, you've got to learn and you've got to see it from the dog's point of view and the cat's point of view. Well, but cruises are fun. But yes, I completely see why another option might be a little bit more amenable to your goals. I always try to encourage my listeners to find me and my guests on social media. And you can certainly go to my website, which is drprim.com, and click on the icons which allow you to immediately communicate with me. And I imagine that, Victoria, you have some things that you would like to share for people to be able to learn from you and interact with you. Absolutely. If you want to find out more about um, dogs and have some great information about dogs and cats together, then go to my website, which is positively.com. You can follow me on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Victoria Stillwell. It's just one hour in the middle of Stillwell. And then you can see my YouTube channel, which is at Victoria, at the end, Victoria Stillwell. And then Twitter at Victoria S. I'm always on there. I'm always posting really great new articles, not just dog articles. We do post cat articles sometimes. And yeah, so you can follow me there and we're doing some new exciting projects as well. So hopefully you'll see me on your screens in the future. Well, and of course, those of us that are passionate about animals like to share about these things. And every little bit of knowledge is a wonderful pearl to help animals all over. And we certainly want you to share and interact with all of us. I want to thank everyone for joining us here at Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And I also want to especially thank my producer, Mark Winter and Victoria. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you, and I hope that we can stay in touch. It sounds like we both have the same mission of making lives better for pets and people. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much for having me on. So everyone, this is Dr. Cat signing out. I hope you have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.